Let's welcome back to the podcast our good friend, Rabbi Hanan Pupko. Rabbi Pupko is an 11th generation rabbi, rebbe, renowned teacher, author, esteemed member of the executive member of the RCA, and always a wonderful guest. A privilege to have you, Rabbi Hanan. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Our pleasure. Last week, Klai Yisrael suffered the patira of one of the G'day Rish Yeshiva in America, of Aaron Schechter Zatzal, and you wrote a beautiful, beautiful article. I was not even aware that you knew him, but you obviously more than knew him. You got to know him pretty well. You had a lot of fascinating experiences with him. Uh, so tell us about that, please. Yeah, so I didn't learn in Chaim Berlin, but uh, in a way I did because I uh, I was at the time in Yeshiva Shara Torah and uh, I, my brother was learning in Chaim Berlin and I wanted to have Vasudas with him and, and just see uh, what Ravaran Shachter was like. And uh, I called his house, and uh, I wrote once an article, what is nice, about Gedolim uh, picking up the phone from, uh, you know, the Amolodika generation, and he, he would pick up the phone. And himself. I asked, himself, yeah, and I would wow. ask him if, I would ask him if I could come for the Shabbos meal, and the only correction he had is, it's not a Shabbos meal, it's a Shabbos Suda. But uh, <laughs> he was very mukfit on those, uh, you know, how to exactly say things, the terminology, and uh, I had... Really, the huge source of eating there many, many Shabbosim, Shabbos. Uh, I can't say Friday night because he would be very angry. Uh, Shabbos night and, and, and the Suda in the morning or Shalashodis. I even was there once for the uh, Pesach Seder. Uh, and it was just incredible to see, like I wrote, that uh, he, the, the, he, we live in an age where everyone understands the Hashivos of a Bocher having a Kesha with the Rebbe. But you don't see as much the understanding of that the the Rebbe has a responsibility to make that Kesher happen. And that's very much a Slabodka idea. And uh, that was at the core of his being, that not only did Bochum try and have a Shaykhis to him, but he made sure that uh, every Bochum had a Shaykhis with him. He made sure that uh, the Bochum were there for the meals. And uh, he, he, he was concerned with people's everyday, uh, everyday needs. Very down to earth, very warm, very kind. And uh, it's it's a huge loss, and and it's a loss of the Slabodka legacy. You know, Rav Hutner, in a way, was very very formal, and and to this day they have it. By the way, in Chaim Berlin, uh, you have to stand with a jacket. I don't know if you know this, but if you come and speak to the Rashiva, you have to stand with a jacket. You have to stand. So there's all these uh, formalities that Rav Hutner established, and Ravarn meant to keep it, but in many ways he couldn't because he was so warm and loving that uh, sometimes uh, those. You know, the boundaries uh, fell apart and he just spoke so warmly and, and he's just a very, very special man, brought people into his house. You can see that his love for Torah, I mean, I, I love learning and everything, but to be honest, I cannot sit at my Friday night dinner for four hours on a Rambana La Torah, uh, much as I love it. And but 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 he had that, and he he had that ability to just. Uh, and I I will say I did have this chus of eating by many other Rashi Yeshiva and Gedolim. Uh, that's something that I enjoyed doing at the time, and I had the uh, possibility to to do it. And uh, it was uh, it, it was extraordinary in the sense that it just it went into the night in an enjoyable way. It wasn't an imposing thing, and and you didn't have to be the the Lumden to. Uh, chime in on the conversation on on that he was leading and everyone's opinion matters v- very special man amazing and i want to you know delve into a few of the points that you raised number one your point about him taking the 
Ahrayas upon himself the responsibility of connecting a building to Kesher. And, and I keep hearing this again and again, something, again, I was not aware of. I had not heard a lot of the stories beforehand. And he was not, he was a low-key figure. Uh, you know, within the yeshiva, I understand his impact was immeasurably strong. But outside of the yeshiva, and pro- perhaps for the same reason, you know, he didn't have that same kind of presence. So a lot of us hearing these things for the first time, uh, you know, a lot of Rebbeim are busy, so understandably, it's very, very hard. And, you know, the Talmud who, the squeaky wheel, you know, is the one that gets oiled, right? The Talmud who right. makes the Kesher and, and, and is more proactive is going to get. Sometimes the, the quiet Talmud is the one that's unnoticed, and it's nobody's fault and nobody's to blame. But the but it's amazing that a man of his stature, of his caliber, and who had so much on his shoulders. I mean, Chaim Berlin is a huge, huge institution, the yeah. Kerlo, all the way down to the Cheder, and that he would take the time to build Kesharim. And you hear this again and again, personal connections throughout decades of Talmidim, I'm guessing in the thousands, if not more, is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just heard from a friend from an old Chaim Berlin family. Uh, when he was born, uh, you know, the birth was, I don't know, 5 a.m. or something. And his father came to Aaron Schechter's, uh, the first thing after the hospital, he came to Aaron Schechter's doorstep, sat there for a bit until he came out to Shacharis and, and told him it, it was, you know, it, not a big uh, Lomdish thing that he had to tell him, just to share that he had a, a baby. And, uh, and, and he did, and, and it was done because he really he he took joy as if it was his own child, and 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 really the yeshiva were his family, and his family in the yeshiva. Meaning, if you were in the yeshiva, you knew his grandkids, they knew you. It was it was you became part of the family, and uh, like I said, that's something that's very much a old slabodka type of thing that the closeness of the rabbeim with the talmidim. And uh, yeah, he was he was very very warm in that way. You said Chaim Berlin. They have the Kol, they have the yeshiva, they have the the day school. Uh, they have alumni shoals. He would also care for. He really cared for people from uh, you know from cradle till till uh, you know after May of Esrim. Uh, th- that was it. Was it was really a family experience? Now I want to quote from your article, and you actually referenced this earlier after being greeted. Kiddish and washing, everyone at the table would get a chumash mikrois kedailas. Ravanra usually choose a specific ramban to go through, ask everyone for their opinion, and a lively conversation would evolve. There was no feeling of being opposed on. Everyone engaged in conversation. Everyone's opinion mattered. There was joy and sweetness in the learning. Ravanra was not intimidating or diminishing. He loved to smile, hear a witty joke or story with a point from yesteryear or an interesting story about the Gedalim and Torah legends. I mean, fascinating. I've never quite seen anything like that. And I've, I've been at the tables of Chashuvim. Uh, tell us more about that. Yeah, no, he, 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 it was always with a smile. It was always joy. He would, uh, uh, like I said, he would ask, uh, you know, about a certain nigga and he'd be like, uh, who knows the Gersh or Amalis or who knows this? Uh, uh, he, sometimes he would request a certain piece uh it's just very very warm very very kind you you didn't feel sometimes someone tells you a and you're like feeling imposed on and that the guy's lecturing you with him it was really a, a conversation and just very warm very lively would go on for hours uh and he had a great sense of humor uh once uh once at at, at the at the when i was at the seder for pesach uh he said a short answer about some uh, one of his grandkids asked him a kasha about the uh Haggadah, and uh he said uh he said a short answer and the grandson said what's the pshat in that so he pointed in the cl- at the clock and he said that's the pshat in that uh <laughs> because we were get you know you needed to make it to <laughs> so the pshat in his short answer was that he had to make it for chatzois 
but uh, he, he had a very good sense of humor. I remember a story I heard from him, I think, about Rabkiveger or something. And, and this is actually very, explains a lot. Uh, he says that uh, there's a shita that you can have for Shalashotis Divrei uh, Torah. So someone once asked, I don't know if it was the Beis Alevi or whoever it was, they asked him, what's pshat that you, for Shalashotis, you uh, eat actually a piece of kugel, and uh, you don't say the, the Dvar Torah instead of the, eating the food. So the, the, the I don't know, if the Chacham or whoever it was, said, because if you give someone a Dvar Torah, later it can be upshlogged. Right, you can ask a question that will invalidate it. A good piece of kugel, there's no way to upshlog it. There's no cautious about it, right? It's a, and uh, or the, the, there's another thing he said that uh, he quoted a sefer that says ani oimer hadivrei Torah achar hachamin mishum shachamin miskaren v'divrei Torah enam. You know, I I I give the divrei Torah after I serve the soup because the soup gets cold, but the divrei Torah do not. <laughs> and uh, that's you know that that was the idea. The idea was that everyone had their their food, everything was good. You didn't have to worry about your gashmius. It was it was very very special in the sense that uh, the gashmius was taken care of and and the ruchnius was was incredible. Well, amazing that you were at a Pesach seder. Here you are. You're not a Chaim Berlin Bucker and. Uh... You know, clearly, you know, you were able to be a some somewhat of a Ben Bias by me. I'd be at Ravon Jeffers, uh Pesach Seder. Pretty amazing. Says a lot about him and you. Yeah, no, I asked him and, and it, his family was there. Very, very special man. Just a kind, kind, kind man. Uh, to me, I I I was coming from Eretz Yisrael. There were Bochrim, There were many Bochrim in Hamburg who came from Eretz Yisrael. There were Bochrim who came from the uh, former Soviet Union. He welcomed everyone. He he made sure everything was taken care of. Uh, in that sense, Chaim Berlin was very gracious because it, it just took people in. Uh, and uh, really, about Chesed and and just very, very down to earth. And his whole life just living with the Talmidim. That's that's what he was. He was living with the Talmidim. Always with a smile, a good sense of humor, and a very, very special man. Now, from a historical standpoint, and you're a student of history, I heard of Gershon Ribner Schlitt to make the point that, you know, if Aaron was sitting and learning, he was a bucker in yeshiva learning full time in the 1940s, 1950s, and perhaps one of the first American-born Bukharim, meaning there were many, many Bukharim, in, in many is a strong word, I'm sorry, but there were other Bukharim learning in yeshiva. Obviously, it was a midbar, but, uh, but they were born in Europe, came to America, hopefully came before the war. He's a Brooklyn boy, maybe Rav Scheinberg. I mean, a handful. How many, you know, to be learning in yeshiva full-time at that point? I mean, this was like a historic pioneering type of moment, really. Yeah, I think it was called Koyal Gorarie. And uh, the, the, his, his father, I think, was from a very simple background, but a very Ehrlich Yid, I think, he, in East New York. And uh, I think his father came from Poland. And, uh, yeah, the fact that he became such a Godel Beisrael uh, as an American-born is definitely a Chiddush. I think maybe Rav Gifter also had, but Rav Scheinberg went to learn in in Europe. Uh, I think Rav Schechter may right. be the only one I can think of now who, who really was American through and through. And uh, I think even even born in Brooklyn. And uh, just his whole life, he, he understood the American mindset. And uh, he... Maybe that's why he was so able to connect with the Bochrim because he he also was born in America. I don't know, but uh, he he was he was just kind and and with a smile and uh, for everyone. I don't know if I should mention the story, but uh, he was you know he had a big white beard 
And uh, once he was driving with his uh, Chaim Berlin driver and, and there was a non-Jewish person who pulled up near him and rolled down the window and screamed at him, hey, Santa, uh, because he had a big uh, white beard. And, you know, he smiled. He didn't get upset or anything. He's just a good man. I, that's all I can tell you, really. Uh, 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 this is obviously above all his godless batera, his his shiurim. Yeah, uh, they say he would learn yeah. for hours and hours, and his no chavrusa, chavrusa is half his age, a third of his age, could not keep up. You know, it was just like he just yeah. sheen and he kept on going. Also, something that's been understated in the past that I was not aware of. I mean. Yeah, he learned always with a bachar. He had chavrusas from the yeshiva. He had chavrusas with whoever it may have been, and uh, he sat in the base medrash all day. Uh, you yeah. know, sometimes uh, the you know you have Russian yeshivas who are busy traveling the world and going and this and that. Really, his uh, if you want to summarize his existence, it's what we say these days: shifti beves Hashem kol uh, He he was yeshiva from beginning to end, and uh, yeah, he he's just a. Really, uh, what you what you would want to see from a Rosh Yeshiva, someone right. who's who's there in the base medrash all the time, cares for the Talmidim, knows exactly what's going on in everyone's life, simchas, tragedies, chasrom, whatever it was. He, yeah, that's uh, that's that's what Final it was. Question. And, uh, you obviously had a personal experience. You were able to literally be at his house, be at his table. Uh, did you have any kind of personal one-on-one connection with him? Did you ask him for advice? Did you speak to him? Did you have that sort of shaykhis? I I mean I knew he knew who I was and uh we I, he knew every person at the table right and uh, definitely if I was there for many shabbosim uh yeah mm-hmm. I spoke I spoke to him uh, for several times uh I, I don't know if I should reveal this here live but uh when uh, we spoke about the fact that I'm thinking of going into the rabbonus his his one piece of advice was always remember that you are a ben Torah, uh which I'm sure is advice he gave many people but, uh, you know, sometimes you have Rabbonim who needed that reminder. If they, you know, you go out to the world, you forget your days in yeshiva. But, uh, yeah, he, that interesting. But, but the interesting part is you weren't talking about being a balabas and going out to correct. Work in no, th- America. thinking about a rabbi and you always remember that you're a bentura. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, that's what can be uh, bad with that advice. Remember, you're a bentura. <laughs> <What can> be... <laughs> you know what? Uh, it's, uh, but, it's, it, but I agree, it's, it's insightful. Yeah. All right. Any other final thoughts? Look, he's uh, he, he left a very, very important legacy. I think uh, we need more Rosh Yeshiva like him in the sense that uh, he was he's steeped in Torah and 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 nonetheless very, very daitoimu revesim abrius. And I think another very important thing is the Masara aspect of it because uh, you, you have Rav Hutner who who learned in Slabodka and, and actually in in Hebron, also in the city of Hebron. And uh, Rav Hutner had him as a Talmud. It speaks volumes, by the way, that uh, Rav Hutner took him as a uh, as as to be a future Rashiva. Sometimes you have people who choose their own family. You know, Rav Yonis and Davis became Rashiva in Pachadiyitzchak in Eretz Yisrael. But uh, the fact that he was chosen with no uh, family relation by Rav Hutner tells you a lot in terms of what Rav Hutner thought of him and uh, his ability to carry on that that tradition. He obviously was very faithful to that. Uh, he was always, you know, keeping the Messiahs from Rav Hutner. Pachad Yitzchak was, was uh, uh, you know, always there on the table. And he always had, he was building off of uh, Pachad Yitzchak. So I think the Messiah part here is very important. Him keeping the Slabodka, Rav Hutner, Chaim Berlin uh, Messiah. And, uh, you know, it's something that's uh, that left its mark.
Yes. Okay. Fascinating insights and very, very unique perspective, powerful perspective and amazing thoughts that you've shared here. Thank you again, as always, for being here. Renowned rabbi, rabbi, teacher, author, and a lot more of Akhanam Popko on the event podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot.